Father, we praise you. God, we live in remembrance today, God, for everything that you've done for us, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for your deliverance. God, today we want to remember what you've done for us, Lord. We want to remember how you've loved us, how you've delivered us. We want to remember all the great things that you've done for us, Lord. Father, let us live our life in remembrance. God, you've been so good to us. God, you've been so good to me. God, thank you that you didn't give me what I deserved. God, your grace just flows down, Lord. Thank you for directing my steps. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for giving me this life. God, let us never forget that it's you and you alone. You and you alone, Father. If you believe it this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated if you would, please. Thank you, Jesus. Man, third service showing up. Nice to see you guys. And every every service kind of has its own little vibe, but I tell you, I'm liking third service. Third service got a good vibe. You know, I don't know why that is. Maybe maybe because y'all already had pancakes or something. Uh, who likes peanut butter on their pancakes? Oh my gosh. They said that only people that were in the army or went to prison like peanut butter on their pancakes. Which, which one were you? Dude, I love peanut butter and pancakes. There ain't no stopping that. All right, let's, uh, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, as you have given us this word, Lord, we just pray that we would learn from it, God, that it would be transformative to our lives, specifically today. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Samuel chapter 8, seem to be going chapter by chapter because that's how the stories go. Second Samuel chapter 8, after this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methig Amah from the hand of the Philistines, and he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. He measured them off of the line with two lines. He measured off those to be put to death, and with one full line, those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. David also defeated Hadadezer. Listen, I, I, I keep telling you all this. Remember, the, your level of Christian maturity is not connected to your ability to pronounce these names. Okay? It's not, it's not Jeff and Irene. Like, it's like, these are some names. So when people are looking at it, like, man, why can't he pronounce those names? It's, whoever says they're pronouncing them right is like faking it. Um, son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates, David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. When the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadezer, son of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants. 
and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadezer and brought them to Jerusalem, also from Beta, from Berothai, cities of Hadezer. King David took a large amount of bronze when Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated all the army of Hadezer. Then Toy sent Jeram, his son, to King David to greet him and bless him because he had fought against Hadezer and defeated him. For Hadezer had been at war with Toy. And Joram brought with him articles of silver, articles of gold, articles of bronze. King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold that he had dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued, from Syria, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, from Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadezer, the son of Rehob, the king of Zobah. And David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He also put garrisons in Edom. Through all Edom, he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants, and the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Verse 15, so David reigned all over Israel, and David administered judgment and justice to all of his people. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahlud, was recorder. Zadok, the son of Atub, and Amalek, the son of Abathar, were priests. Sariah was the scribe. Benaniah, the son of Jehodai, was over both the Cherethites and those guys, and David's sons were chief ministers. Man, that's a story. Uh, you know, the, we go through the Bible, and I like to go book by book, line by line, story by story, and the benefit of that is, is you don't skip over anything. The detriment of it is you don't skip over anything. And sometimes I... I get to the scripture for the week and I'm like, yes, here we go. And sometimes I'm like, where are we going? Like, what, what does this story mean? Because the, the, the big part of the story is really simple. It's a bunch of victories that David had. That's just what the story is. And, and it's good and it's, it, it's, it's good for us to read it and know it and all those things. But it, it, it always has to go to the next step of application, Right. What, what good is information without transformation? And so I, I, I took the time this week to pray and ask the Lord what would he would have us to speak about this. And, and, and I titled this sermon, String Up the Chariots. Uh, why? Because it just sounded like it was a cool name. Like, but it's not really what the message is about. Uh, the, the, the message would, but the title is much of a long, more meandering title. Like David had a bunch of victories and he responded well. So when you have victories, you better respond well. Um, cause that's really the story. The story is we see David go out and he has these victories. We see how his response was, and then we see the type of lifestyle that he lived. And, and so let's, let's walk through these scriptures together, see what David did, see what we can apply to our, our lives and go from there. Sound good? Yeah. Are you guys going to help me this morning? Yeah. All right, good. It always goes better with a few amens. Well-timed, uh, amens. <laughs> Like if I say, we'll be over soon, and everybody's like, amen, like that's bad time, okay? So first point, God's victory and protection. Verse six, so the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Now, this is part of this story, and it's mentioned in verse six, and it's also in verse 14, and that David went out to go and fight all these battles, and the Lord preserved him. But it wasn't just a preservation in the sense of he was a protection. The the original wording of the uh, Hebrew is is really, it speaks to victory. It speaks to great things that happened uh, when David went out to do these things. It wasn't just that he didn't get hurt. It was that he 
actually had victory in pushing forward Israel. He's the new king. There's been uh, factions that have been against Israel. David's got to go out. He's got to establish that he is the king over Israel and that Israel's reign is going to come out over this uh, area. And as he went, God blessed him. God blessed the work of his hands. He had victory and he won and he did great things. Uh, uh, David attacked the Philistines and subdued him. David took Methegamah. He defeated Moab. The Moabites became David's servants. He brought, and they brought tribute. David also defeated Hadezer. He took from him, uh, King David killed 22,000. David put garrisons. Syrians became David's servants. He brought tribute. Uh, David was making it happen in this instance. He was going around and subduing his enemies unto himself. He subdued them so hard that they actually uh, gave him tribute. So on top of him taking their stuff, after he left, they were still like, okay, here, you can have more of our stuff because we're submitted to what you uh, what you are doing now this is a story that is repeated throughout the Old Testament which is when the nation of Israel honored God when the nation of Israel did things uh, that that were pleasing to God God blessed them and when they didn't do well God didn't bless them there's a hint in there somewhere this might be on the final When they followed God and they did things the way the Lord intended, the Lord blessed the work of their hands. And when they didn't do what the Lord intended, the Lord didn't bless the work of their hands. It's almost like this is something you should pick up for your own personal life. It's, it's, it's why the Old Testament is such a, a rich book. And that, friend, you've got to understand this. God's nature has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of Genesis is the God of Revelation, is the God of Matthew, is the God of Malachi, is the God of Nahum, is the God of Philemon. It's all the same God. The principle stands the same for the nation of Israel. If they followed God and they did what God asked of them, He blessed them. And when they didn't, He didn't. Judges 3.30, this is an example of where they won. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. They won because they were following God. Numbers 14.45, then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. That's a time when they didn't win. Now I want to show you this because in in, uh, the nation of Israel... They went through a bunch of wars. Uh, By some counts, they won about 40 of them. They lost about 18 of them. They had about eight that were in a cycle where it was just like, uh, it wasn't really a clear winner. They're just in a cycle war. And then they had eight civil wars between Israel and Judah. I mean, Israel was a nation of war. And so when the Bible records these things to us, it's not just so that we can read them and say, oh, war, people died. Interesting. God's trying to teach us something. There's a reason why all of these were included in the Bible. So that we could, we could use them to teach us something about how we should live our lives. So, like in Judges chapter 3, I'll, I'll give you a, a, an instance of this, right? It says, so the children, <clears throat> excuse me. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Bad. Can we all agree that's bad? Yeah. Right? They forgot the Lord their God, and they served their smartphones and their flat screen televisions. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry, Jen. I'll I'll read it right. 
They forgot the Lord their God and they served their cars and their careers. Yeah, sorry. Hold on, I'm gonna sw- I'm gonna swipe it. Oh, it's... They forgot the Lord their God and they served their own selfish desires and their sins. Gosh, hold on, I'm gonna shake it a little bit. It'll. They forgot the Lord their God and they served the Baals and the Asherahs. See, we read things like that like, well, I'd never serve a Baal or an Asherah. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hand of Cush and Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, and the children of Israel served Cush and Rishathaim eight years. See, people think the judgment of God is when fire and brimstone rain down from heaven. It can be, and it will be. But sometimes, and most times, the judgment of God is God giving you over to what you want. You want to make this phone into your God? Let it be your God. You want these politicians to be your God? Let them be your God. See if they'll deliver you. That's, that's what the Lord says. But here's, the, here's the, the transitional verse. Verse 9, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othanel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord delivered Cushan Risham, the king of Mesopotamia, into his hand and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othanel, the son of Kenaz, died. That's the story of our faith, is it not? We go and we bow down to these false gods and expect them to deliver us. And God says, well, then I'm going to deliver you into their hands. And then we come around and then we cry out to God and we say, God, deliver us. We never should have worshipped these false gods. We never should have made allegiance to them. And God says, great, now I'm going to help you deliver these horrible things out of your life that you never should have given power to in the first place. It's the story of Israel. It's the story of us. And in this story, David is blessed by God. It says in verse 6, The Lord preserved, gave victory wherever he went. The Lord blessed the work of David's hands wherever he went because he was faithful to God. He was submitted and committed to him and Israel. I, I love this verse about King Hezekiah in Second Chronicles 31.21. And in every work that he began in the service, of the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all of his heart and so he prospered. That, that, that you can read through the Old Testament and you can see about uh, good kings and bad kings. Go to First and Second Kings and you see some kings get a good report, some kings get a bad report. Some of them get a line, some of them get a chapter because the ones that serve God and do well get a good report. The ones that don't serve God and don't do well, they get a bad report. That's why the Bible puts those things in, a, in there for our benefit. What does it mean to you? Well, we're currently not going to kill and fight in armies, okay? We're not going to go subdue the people of Wenatchee and, you know, rise up against Walla Walla, you know? Like, maybe. I don't know anybody from Walla Walla. There's probably some people there that need to be subdued. No, we're not doing that, man. Because that's not, that's not the time in which we live, No, sometimes I wish it was, but it's not. We fight against principalities. We fight against evil spirits. We we fight against the rulers of wickedness in high places. 
And we're going to go and do those things. And so when we go to fight these battles, we need to go into them with the Lord. We need to go fighting well. If we expect God to, to bless the work of our hands as we go against these, these enemies, we, we can't be serving false gods or else God will, will give us over to those things. And when we go, we're going to experience victory. Glad somebody's excited about it. We're going to experience victory. We serve a God of victory. Now listen, the number one victory that we have in our lives is that our sins have been forgiven through Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than that. But there's a, there's a, a spillover that happens in this life. Sometimes you get an extra scoop of ice cream. You know what I mean? Sometimes your food comes out first before those people that got there uh, before you. You know what I mean? Like sometimes that stuff happens. But sometimes you suffer and sometimes you have calamity and sometimes you get sick and sometimes people die and sometimes you lose jobs and sometimes things don't go perfectly, but there's still victory in there. There's still victory. You may not understand the victory at that moment because you, you, you can't see it with holy eyes, but God always brings victory to the child of God that's walking with him. And even though you might be in a season where it doesn't seem like it's victory, by the grace of God and the words of God, I declare to you that you're going to look back and you're going to see the victory. You're going to see it. You're going to see, man, the battle belongs to the Lord. God saw me through this. God was able to deliver me through this. You might have suffering or calamity or bad things. And people say, well, how come I have to go through that as a child of God? Why do you want to go through it as not being a child of God? You're going to go through it anyway. I want to go through it with Jesus, man. I want to walk through the, the, the hard parts with the Lord. I want to walk through it with Him. I don't want to walk through it alone. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Lord delivers him out of them all. Excuse me. Someone's going to say he's misreading the scriptures. (laughs) Scriptures promise blessings and victory over the child of God that walks according to the scriptures. You will eat of the good of the land. Blessed are you. Blessings, blessings. This is all throughout scripture. And then a pastor stands up and says, we're going to experience victory. And they say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, how come none of you have ever asked me to pray for you for more suffering in your life? How come? You never call me and say, Pastor, I'm just going through it right now and I'm just praying. Will you pray for more to happen to me? My right knee hurts, but I want my left knee to hurt in Jesus' name. Oh, I've had people die. Make poor people die in my life. I'm, I'm sick, but I'm not sick enough, Pastor. I want, I want more sufferings. Nobody. I'm not one. Some of y'all are going to do it as a joke, but no, no, nobody's ever done that. Because you want the blessings, you want the easy you want the easy yoke, you want the bur- you want the light burden. We all do. We want to experience victory, and it's a promise of Scripture. It's a promise that the Lord gives us to say we are going to experience victory. Did you notice the name of the church when you walked in? It's not called doubt and defeat. Okay, it's called faith and victory. Because we believe that God wants to bring us victory in this life. Again, it may not look what you think it should look like, but it is a godly, biblical victory in Jesus' name. God promises protection 
2 Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. That's victory. Psalm 20, verse 1, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. And I've seen it in my own life. Maybe you haven't seen it because you walk faithfully 24, 7, 365. In my life, there's been a few times that I've chosen willfully to step out of the will of God and take the reins of my own life. And I have reaped nothing but destruction and pain. But I'm dumb enough that I just have to like touch the iron and see if it's still hot. I'm like, Ooh, man, I don't want to do that. Let me just get right back in my lane in the Jesus lane. Is there anybody else that's experienced that? Sometimes you step out for a minute, a moment, a week or whatever, but you'll learn, man, the Jesus way is the right way. Walking with God's the good path. You step out of that and you go outside of the will of God and you're just like, man, it's dark, dangerous and destructive out there. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with what's going on out there at all. First John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. That's the scripture where we get the name of our church, faith and victory. Now again, we're not going to be fighting invading armies. You're going to be fighting evil forces of the world. But with Jesus, you'll experience the victory. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now secondly in this story, what we see is the response of David. And, and how someone responds to victory is very indicative of their nature and their character. Uh, David had just experienced this great victory uh, uh, over all of these enemies and uh, chariots. I mean, he, he was actually pretty benevolent to these guys. I mean, he didn't kill all their chariots. He left them a hundred. Uh, it's pretty nice. He's like, I'm not going to take them all. I'll give you guys the ability to fight a little bit. Here's a hundred chariots. I'm not going to give them all to you. But his response after all these victories, and he got all this plunder, he got gold and silver and bronze. He didn't build a temple to himself and worship himself. It says in verse 7 that he brought them to Jerusalem. In verse 12, it says that he brought them and dedicated them to the Lord. That was his response. His response was, God blessed me. God brought me through this victory. God did this. And the natural response is, I have to bring this to the Lord and I have to dedicate this to the Lord because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have gotten any of this in the first place. Here's what David knew. It was the Lord who had did it, not him. Psalm 26 and 7, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. See, David had experienced victory as the king of Israel, but he never for a moment forgot that it was God that brought the victory through him. And in spite of him, he was able to experience victory. David never made it about him. He never made it about himself. Psalm 41:11. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. Psalm 34, 7 and 8. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. These are all Psalms that were written by David. And if you read the Psalms, and this is, this is why I, I encourage Bible reading. Like I, I, the, the Bible is the best book you could ever read. It's, it's, it's awesome. Like read it every day. 
And, and if you don't know how to do a Bible reading plan, I'll tell you mine. It's really easy. Proverbs, there's 31 chapters. You can read one every day. So like today, I read Proverbs 26. And then tomorrow will be 27. And next month, I start it all over again. What I also do is I read through the Psalms in addition to that. So I'll read one Psalm. And, I, and I'm on like Psalm 122 right now. And man, 21, 22, those are fast. A couple of days ago, I was on 19. That thing was long. 119 is really long. And, and then I do whatever other reading I'm in at the time. I, I'm reading 1 Corinthians right now. I got done with Revelation. I just kind of bounce around wherever uh, I feel like the Lord's leading me to be. What that does is, is it keeps you in a position at a constant time to remember, uh, to remember to praise the Lord and for God to give you wisdom in your daily, in your daily endeavors. And so the Psalms are so beautiful to remind us uh, how our heart response should be to a God that has saved us, that has delivered us, that has set us free, because that's the heart that we see coming out of David. David didn't write all the Psalms. He wrote most of them, but he didn't write all of them. But the Psalms themselves kind of give us uh, that picture of what a submitted uh, heart looks like that loves the Lord, that praises him. Amen. And you've got to remember this is that David did not write the Psalms because he wanted to get into the Bible. That's not how this worked. And and, and I think about this in my mind's eye, and and this is my own thoughts. I don't know what your thoughts are. I really don't want to know. But um, when when I... Think about going to heaven and I, meet, and I meet David. There's a lot of guys in heaven that I want to meet. Uh, I want to meet Moses and Paul. And uh, I, I definitely want to, I want to hang out with Elisha. I want to, I want to meet those dudes. Anyway, uh, David, I picture when I meet David, I'm going to be like, David, man, Psalms. What's up, dude? I read your stuff for years. Man, you nailed it. So good. So good. And, I, and this is how I picture David. David like, Huh? What do you mean? I'm like, the Psalms, like you wrote them for God and the Bible. He's like, and he's going to be like, people read that stuff. I just wrote it because I was in love with the Lord, man. And think that a bunch of people be reading it and talking about it and reading it every day. Glad you got something out of it. What else? He didn't write it because he wanted the accolades of men. He, wa- he, read it, he wrote it because he was just pleased with what God had done in his life. It was, a, it was a natural response to somebody who had been touched by the Lord. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. What does it mean to you? When you experience victory in your life, who gets the glory? Do you have false humility or do you, do you really, do you really in your heart of hearts realize that it's the Lord? And, and we don't have time to go into the uh, predestination thing and who did what or whatever. Here's what I know. God owns it all. God does it all. And even if I think that I'm doing it on my own, I really feel like it's God behind me making it happen. Who did what for who? And when you do and get in your life, do you dedicate it to the Lord or to yourself? Who's it for? Like, are you like, man, I am breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back. Did you forgive yourself of your own sin? Did you deliver yourself from that addiction? No, none of that. See, who did what is a great game to play to get you to show humility. It's, it's because of him. 
It's because of him. Your spouse, your friends, your job, your skills, your abilities. There's this part of us as human that, that, that it's not even taught or caught. It just kind of flows out of who we are. And people say, oh, well, it's nature and nurture and parents and everything else. It's all the Lord. It's all him. You, you didn't even decide when you were going to be born or where you were going to be born. And then you live under these blessings and protection of the Lord. And then you want to throw yourself a party thinking that you're super awesome sauce with a side of fries. And the reality is, is that it's him. It's only because of him. And because it's him, he's the one that should get the glory, not us. Our job is to draw people unto him, not to draw people unto us. You know, uh, this is sadly the end of the football season. Uh, where's my football fans at? I don't know. I can preach forever because there's no games today. Um, Pro Bowl. No one watches that. Um, uh, but, but football, like any other sport, and, and, and I love sports just for what they are because they develop character within you. And you can w- lose every game and still develop character. Ask me how I know. And... Uh, um, <laughs> After the game, they always interview the quarterback. And my son has this theory, which is, it's solid. And and you can look for it and you can watch for it. Is that uh, whenever they interview the quarterback after the game, they always ask, so like, how how were you able to win the game? And then they put the microphone in the quarterback's face. Now, my quarterback, my guy's Russell Wilson. I just think he's such a winner. He's just a stellar young man. Uh, He ain't per... Jeez. He ain't in the room and he ain't single, ladies, all right? So uh, he, uh, he, um, he's just a good guy and he's a good leader, you know? There's a lot to admire about that guy. Not perfect, but there's a lot to admire. And so what's interesting about Russell is when he talks and, and they always ask him, how did you win the game today? If the Seahawks win, he always gives all the glory to the, the line. He always goes, well, the line did a really good job. The defense really showed up. If it wasn't for the coaches calling the play. And, and then the, the interviewer always wants to get him to talk about himself. So I say, so what about what did you do? He goes, I just followed what the coaches said. And I, I, I believed in my receivers and just did everything for them. Now, if he loses, complete opposite. They're like, why did you guys lose today? He goes, I couldn't get it right. It was my fault. I should have done a better job. Uh, if I would have had better leadership, if I would have done a better job, we would have won. And it's so beautiful to see somebody like that. Uh, conversely, there was another gentleman that played in the playoffs, and I saw his after <laughs> after uh, interview after they had won. And I won't tell you the name or the whatever. Uh, but, but they asked him, they said, so uh, how, how were you able to win the game? And they gave him the microphone. He goes, well... Before the game, we decided somebody had to be great today, and I figured it ought to be me. <laughs> and the interviewer's like, so what, what, what did you do? He goes, man, I just did my best. And everybody kind of came up behind me and followed my lead, and I just made it happen today. And I was like, you know, that's such the contrast between Russell and a lot of these other guys. But it also is the contrast between a heart that gives the glory to somebody else and somebody who wants the glory all for themselves. When the microphone goes into your face, who do you give glory to? Are you the guy that's like, someone had to be great today, might as well have been me. Or are you the one that says, you know what? I'm navel lint. Like I, I can't even seem to figure out how to tie my own shoes, but somehow God was able to use a broken vessel like me. Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. We are never asked to do it on our own strength. So when we see God show up, we need to remind ourselves and others, it was the Lord who did it. It wasn't me. Ephesians 1.19, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? He uses us in spite of our best attempts to not be used. But it's Him who does it through us. It's His power. It's His strength. I love 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. It says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Do you you know why this is so hard for people? Is that, especially for us Gen Xers that were raised in the 80s, like, we've just been uh, taught that esteem is everything and get an award and be the best. Like we can't all collectively be the best and we can't all collectively win at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. And, and so what happens is, is that there, there's just a moment where all of a sudden you have this chance to be the best at something and you want it. I ask me how I know. And, 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 and you just want it so much. And, 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 and instead of, uh, of pushing the glory over to the Lord, you just, it's so hard in our human nature to not at that moment just be like, all right, just give me a little bit. Now I give it to God. Because <laughs> we want it so bad. And, it's, and there's layers to why this is. You know, a couple hundred years ago, you probably would be the best violin player in your small little town of a few hundred people. But now that you're on the internet, the best violin player, everybody can see that guy. He's got 50,000 million hits on YouTube. And they're like, you're just mediocre, man. And so in this world, we never get a chance to be the best at anything. Where years ago, you could be the best in your own little community. But now the best is all on TV and we're just here kind of picking up the scraps. What's the point? It's not about you anyway. It's for him. People go into debt to impress people they don't even know. I'm going to finance a car so you can sit at a stoplight and have someone you don't even know be impressed with you. Does that make sense? Don't be addicted to attention. Give God the glory. We should just be excited that we're alive. Give it all to Him and recognize Him. Here's the third and last part of this story. David experienced the victory. David... uh, recognizes and responds correctly. But then there, there's this other part of the story at the end where we kind of see his lifestyle. We kind of see what, what he did after the fact. Because, um, you know, we, we, we're all going to experience victory. We're all going to experience defeat. And, and hopefully you give God the glory. But there's this other part where you just kind of have to live in the mundane nature of living. Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes life is somewhat boring. Um, like just the day in and day out and a meat, a vegetable, a starch. I mean, it's just like, is anybody else? You know, it's just life. And sometimes what'd you do this week? I just breathed and breathed out. Like I, I'm here. I am. I made it happen. And, 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 and so the lifestyle that someone leads kind of like gives you the indication of, okay, when you're not at war, when you're not fighting, then what do you do with your life? Then how do you live? In this instance, David uh, goes around and it says in verse 13, he made a name for himself. Okay, byproduct of winning. Everybody's like, did you hear about David? He killed all those people. People notice. 
But here's, here's a nugget that I noticed that I thought was really good. In verse 14, it says, and then he put garrisons all around. Now, I was in the military, and so I understand what garrison is. What a garrison is, is when an army goes in and they take over somewhere, then they establish a a standing army that's going to stay in that place, and they set up a base. So, like, if you go down to Fort Lewis, that's a garrison. There's an army there that's sitting there. And what is it doing? It's ensuring that nobody comes in and takes over this land. It's not actively at war. They're not fighting. They're just kind of set up there. And so our Air Force, Navy, and uh, all our military bases all over are a garrison. And so what David did is he set up a garrison to ensure that the victory that had been won would not be lost through apathy. That the garrison would be there to squash any rebellions. That the garrison would be there to put out any fires that were started to ensure that as the king has established his kingdom and given God the glory for it, David's going to do what's within his power to ensure that the battle would not be lost again. There's a sermon in there somewhere. Is anybody picking this stuff up? Are you getting it? God delivered him. He gave God the glory. But he didn't sit around and party and talk about how awesome he was. He made a strategic decision to set up garrisons to ensure the long-term success of what God had done. He did work. He didn't just sit around. He put his hand to the plow. He decided like, man, there's something that I can do in this situation and I'm going to do it. He didn't rest on his laurels. It says in verse 14 that the Lord preserved David. That's what it says. It says the Lord preserved David. Verse 15, he reigned all over Israel and administered justice and judgment or judgment and justice as it says. And, and that is just the work of a king. A king is not made king to sit around. A king's made king to do kingly stuff. That's what he does. And so judgment and justice and setting up garrisons, it even goes so far to say that he made his sons into priests and and did all these other things. He didn't experience victory so that he could do nothing. He experienced victory so that he could do something with that victory, so that it would change other people's lives, so it would change how people lived. It wasn't just uh, living unto himself. Proverbs 12, 11, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 9, 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. What does it mean to you? Do you just want God to bless you so you have to do less or so that you can be freed to do more? Which one is it? And then I get it, man. We, we all live in some of the most spiritually demanding times that humans have ever lived in. I, I, I figure each era has had its own challenges. We've got challenges here that people didn't have 100 years ago, 500 years ago. But one of the things I really don't like about the era in which we live, it's the best as far as technology, but it's the worst because it creates us all to be the most lazy people that you've ever seen. We create machines to do stuff for us so that we can have more time to sit around doing nothing. And, and, and so whenever a preacher stands up and, and says, man, you need to get to work and, and do things for the Lord, you're like, huh? Like, no. Like, I, if I'm not getting paid and it's from eight to five and after that, I'm done-ski. Like, I, I did my work. Now I got my machines to do the work. Is there somebody else that can do this work? Because that's not what I signed up for. There's no retirement from serving the Lord. There's never a time when you've done enough. 
There's never a time that you just say like, well, I'm giving up. I've done my time. I always loved you. Iris has been serving the Lord for so many years and she's still in the fight, man. <laughs> you know, she sends me all these emails against all the evil in the world and with what she, she's doing what she can with what she got, man. There's no retirement from serving the Lord. I'll, I will retire one day from being the senior pastor of this church. What does that mean? It means I'm going to stop getting paid and I'm going to come down to do what I do for nothing. What do I, you just say, oh, I've preached enough sermons. I've given enough gospel. I've served enough in the ministry. That's me time. No, it doesn't work that way at all. Like you, you, were, you were given a, a command from the Lord Jesus himself. Luke 9, 62, Jesus said to them, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. How much has Jesus done for us and what should be our response? We're called to be workers for the Lord Jesus. He set us, now, now here's the thing, a pastor will say, well, we need to do works. And then we say, oh, it's a works-based gospel. Listen, man, I was, I was a steaming pile of dung. I, I, there's nothing good inside of me that was worth saving. And God in his infinite wisdom chose me before the foundations of the earth to be one of his children. And for that, I give him praise, honor, and glory. There's nothing I've done to earn his, uh, earn his grace or earn his favor. It was all him. But after he saved me, the natural response would be like, thank you. I'll do what I can do. I'll do what I can do, man. I mean, honestly, and I don't want to get too far. It's the reason why I became a pastor. It's the reason why I planted this church. I was so overwhelmed with what God had done for me. The least I could do, I was like, well, I just want to tell people about you for the rest of my life. I just want to, I just want to preach people and, and, and bring people to you. That's, that's why, you know. To God be the glory. Jesus said in Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded them and baptizing them and them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and the lifestyle of the redeemed is one where we diligently work for the Lord, where we love people and we serve them and we give to them and we, we minister to them. But it's so outside of our human nature. Now, I'm going to close with a story and then I'm going to toss another scriptures out. And then I'm on my first close. I'll get to my second close in a second. Crystal, uh, Crystal and I go to the gym. Uh, we usually average, I don't know, we try to get there three or four times a week. And, and I'm a very scheduled man. Like, I, I can tell you what I'm doing most hours of most days. Because i got a plan. Because I'm a planner. i got <laughs> stuff i got to get done. Uh, I, I, I make my day happen. My day does not happen to me. And, and so we go to the gym and we've got a time frame. We try to stay in there, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what we're doing for the day. And some people, when they go to the gym, they'll put on headphones because it's their me time and they don't want to be bothered. Uh, Crystal and I, it's, it's our time together. And so we talk and, uh, you know, do workout and whatever. And now listen, I'm, I'm just sharing with you guys my, my heart and my real stuff. And if you judge me, Whatever, I'll stick my thumb in your ear. <laughs> so we go to the gym, and this week, this is just my initial response, man. We're, we're up there, and we're riding the little stationary bikes, which is funny in and of itself, a bike that goes to nowhere. And, and so we're riding the bikes, and then as we're getting off, I'm, I'm always like, come on, let's go. I got stuff to do. I, and, and Crystal's like, let me finish. And so we're trying to... <laughs> Nobody needs on a stationary bike longer than 20 minutes, guaranteed. Um, and, and so as we're leaving, this lady comes up to us and she's like, hey, aren't you guys the preachers? And I was like, yeah, man. And then so then she begins to talk. And my initial response is, 
Come on, man, hurry it up. I got places to go. I've got scheduled ministry that doesn't fit in with this. So, come on, get to the point. I don't have time for this. It's my initial response. Because it's my time. Like, I'm here and I'm on a schedule. I don't have time to listen to what you need because I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ with appointments. That's the, 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 the script that goes on in my head. So then I have to stop that script. And remember, the, 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 the godly script is eliminate hurry from your life. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. And, and I literally, I remember, I, I literally had to say that in my head. And then we're on the second floor. So then I just kind of leaned up against the railing. And I just resigned myself of like, I'm just going to be late to whatever I'm going to be late to. I'm going to miss whatever I'm going to miss. God, you have designed this moment right here and now. And I've got nowhere else to be except right here. And, 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 and so the, the lady shared with us about her grandchild and, and, and the, uh, uh, children's and she needed prayer. And so me and Crystal just prayed for her right there in LA Fitness, all sweaty and just did it. Now, remember in this story, I'm not the hero of this story, okay? <laughs> the point of the story is the selfish nature doesn't want to be interrupted. But we were bought with a price. Once you walk out the front of your house, you are on the clock. Everything is up for discussion. Your time is not your own. Your life is not your own. Whatever God needs you to do in that moment, you need to do it. You need to be obedient to it. In the same way that David was obedient to what God had asked him to do, he didn't take victory as a means to rest on his laurels. He went out and did things that were great for God. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not men. Ephesians 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, we'd like to invite you to become one. And it's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. And you, you know if you're not a Christian. What makes somebody a Christian? You, you turn away from sin and you turn towards Jesus to be forgiven. And you say, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? And then I want to live for you. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, man, I want to be forgiven of my sins and I want to live for Jesus. If you've never made that decision before and you need to do that for the very first time, we want to invite you to raise your hand and have someone pray with you this morning. To say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? Hand held high. We did have somebody come forward in first service. I always like to share that with you guys. We serve a God that still redeems, that still sets free. Someone got saved first service. Maybe you've been far from God and you just need to rededicate yourself to Him. You've lost, you lost your way. You'd say, man, I, I used to live for Jesus, man, but I don't know what happened. I lost my way. You need someone to pray with you. We want to pray with you this morning. So if that's you this morning, you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand this morning and say, that's me? Thank you, Father. Now for the rest of us, as we experience victory, let us not forget who did what. Let us give him the glory. Let us live for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Let's all stand up.
All right, so right after this, go get your kids and then fellowship. Let's pray. Lord, we give you honor. We glorify your holy name, Father. We thank you for your word today, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're reminding us, God, that everything we have, everything we do, God, Father, you are enabling us to do it, God, and we should give you glory, God. As we live this week, God, cover these words that the enemy doesn't steal it. Let it bear fruit in us, O oh God. Be with us throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week. Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live Team.